All right, if you would tonight, take the Word of God and go to Daniel chapter number 10. That's Daniel chapter number 10 as you're finding your places there. And as you're traveling back to the Old Testament and you're finding Daniel chapter 10, I just want to review a little bit and while you're turning there. We've been talking about there are problems in prayer. That's the name of this series, Problems of Prayer. And the problems are sometimes our prayer life and our prayers can be hindered. God could hit the pause button in our prayer life when we do these uh, hindrances. Now, as you turn there to Daniel, I'm going to read you a verse. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, I'm just going to read this as you're traveling back to Daniel 10. The Bible says, Likewise, ye husband, dwell with him according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, here's the key. That your prayers be not hindered. And so your prayers can be hindered. When I was just a young Christian, I knew about the sin hindrance that I've taken all. There's actually 11 prayer hindrances that I've discovered to date. 11 prayer hindrances. Things that if we offend or are absent in our lives or not present, that God will hinder our prayers. And He'll hit the, prayer, he'll hit the pause button in our, in our prayer life. Now let me say, He'll hit that pause button and He's not going to answer He'll hear your prayers, but he's not obligated to answer your prayers until these things are resolved. The first one we talked about was David. And this is the most popular prayer hindrance, which would be the sin hindrance. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, means if I harbor sin, unrepented, unresolved, unconfessed sin in my life, he said, the Lord will not hear me. It's just plain and simple. Now, God's omniscient. He's, everywhere, he's omnipresent. All those good things. So he, he knows all, hears all, sees all. And so there's nothing that's ever been said that God didn't hear and he's not aware of. But what he's saying there is about your prayers not being heard is God is not obligated to answer your prayers. Sometimes if we're not careful, we have clogs in the drain of the channel to us and to God. And folks, we cannot afford that. There's too many lost people. There's too many people that need to hear the gospel. There's too many sick people, suffering people, people in, in pain. So I need a powerful prayer life. I need a clear channel. I need a clear, I don't need any clogs in the channel of my prayer life. I need to be, when, when I pray, I need to be heard. Not just, not just the uh, quantity and how much I'm praying, but I want effective prayer life. I don't know about you. But I want us to look through these and realize the power that all of us could have if we could say, along with the Lord Jesus, it said, I, thou hear, the Father, thou hearest me always, always. Now, we can't always say that. The first one was the sin hindrance. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It's just plain and simple as that. But it doesn't have to be that way because we can have a, uh, a clear heart. We don't have to walk around with unconfessed, unresolved sinner life. We can repent of it. We don't have to wait. Okay, we, there's not a time period on that. We can just go ahead and ask forgiveness. Uh, what I suggest is uh, people would say, well, keep a short account with God. I say keep no account at all for in the moment that you sin, go ahead and repent, get it under the blood, and get that resolved. The second thing we talked about was the sincerity hindrance. When the Lord Jesus said, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray and stand in the synagogues and in the 
corners of the street that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So if, if we pray and we're not sincere, we're not doing it for the right reasons, our prayers will be hindered, they will not be heard. Then we talked about the selfish hindrance. He says, ye ask and receive not. <laughs> Why? Because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. So if we pray selfishly, then God will not hear our prayers. God, God said He would meet my needs, that He would meet your needs, but He did not promise to meet your greeds. <laughs> God will meet your needs, but not your greeds. So that we have the sin hindrance, we have the sincerity hindrance, and we talked about the selfish hindrance. Now let's move on to the one tonight in Daniel chapter 10, what I call the satanic hindrance. The satanic hindrance to, that is, would cause a pause or a hindrance in our prayer life. Now, if you look at Daniel chapter 10 and look at verse number 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto me. This is, he's talking about the last vision Daniel receives, whose name was called Belshazzar. We know when he went into Babylon, they changed his name to Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was morning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is, I guess you say, Hidekel, I reckon. But anyway, what I've got in my margin, I wrote over here that's much easier to pronounce, is the Tigris River, okay, Tigris River. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man, you ought, to, you ought to circle that, a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with a fine gold of upaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as the lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell among them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Verse 8, Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me, which set upon my knees, and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Listen, church. Thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 
one in 20 days, that's 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. Now am I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Well, there's a couple things about this I want you to understand as we outline the chapter real quickly on down to verse number 14, so this makes sense. Number one, we need to know the reason for Daniel's supplication. Why is he praying? Well, one reason was probably his concern for the nearly uh, 50,000 Jews who a year before had left Babylon and traveled to their native land to rebuild the temple. We've seen that in the book of Ezra. So that's one school of thought. The second reason why Daniel was uh, fasting, which he talked about fasting and prayer for three weeks. The second reason why Daniel was fasting and praying, he wanted to understand more, and that seems to be you know, possibly two of these, but could be both. Second reason was Daniel was fasting and praying. He wanted to understand more about the visions and the prophecies he had already received, and he longed for the Lord to reveal additional truth to him concerning the future of Israel. All right, this reason seems to fit when you consider the following. Number one, Daniel, at this point, is to be a to be around 90 years of age. He's on up in age. Now, we've been talking about the book of the Revelation. You can't truly understand the book of the Revelation until you understand the Old Testament prophet Daniel. So we see that he's around 90 years of age. The vision mentioned in chapter 10 is the last vision given unto Daniel in the book. Verse 21 says the mention of the given of future truth. So Daniel, he, he's got something he wants to know more about. He's got something that he wants to understand. He wants God to really just reveal to him this last vision that's given unto him. He wants to understand more how that applies to Israel. And he is fasting and he is praying for the period of three weeks. Three weeks. And he does not receive an answer. Now let's stop and pause for a minute. Folks, the reason that we pray in the first place is because when we pray, we're asking. We're needy people. Don't ever feel, I've had people in the, over the years in being in the ministry, they have said, Pastor, I feel bad that I have to ask for things. I want to tell them, I don't. You know, you, you know why? Because that's what prayer is. God has designed us that way that we are needy people. There's nothing wrong with asking. Now, if you're asking for selfish things, we've already talked about that that you may consume it upon your own lust. Of course, God's not going to answer some ridiculous outlandish prayer. But God wants us to, He wants us to talk to Him through prayer. And, and we're needy people. We have physical, mental, uh, we have emotional needs. And there's nothing wrong with uh, praying for yourself. In fact, I encourage you to pray for yourself. That, that's what we believe, the priesthood of the believer, that we have the ability to, to pray for our own selves. And then we ought to, of course, pray for one another. But he, he's praying about this thing and he's not hearing anything. Remember the receipt of prayer. You know, we don't come in here on Wednesday night. We have prayer meeting. And then so we can build a novel of all the prayer requests that everybody has. Now, we want you to give requests. We want you to lay those burdens on that we can take those and pray about those and partner in prayer about those. But what I like to see is when you scratch a name off and scratch a prayer we, we have a list so that we can scratch some names off and say, hey, God intervened, God answered, God met the need. And that's the circle of prayer. Prayer is asking and the answer to prayer is receiving. It's just as simple as that. So he hasn't received. Something's wrong. It's a hindrance. 
And at this point, it's not the individual, it's a satanic hindrance. So we see that he's just sitting here praying for three weeks. He's fasting. He has went without some things. He ain't totally fasting, but he's refraining from the finer things at this point. The second thing I want you to see that is in really comparison that sounds very familiar to another passage of Scripture I preached on a couple weeks ago is what we have in the book of the Revelation we have here in Daniel. Now notice what it says in verses 4 through 9. He says, In the 4 and 20th day in the first month, he was by the great river, the Tigris River. Then I lift up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man. Who's this certain man? Now look how it describes him. He was clothed in linen, whose loins were girded, fine brass of upaz. His body was also like unto barrel. His face appeared as lightning, and his eyes as the lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like unto the color to polish brass, and the voice of his words like unto the the voice of a multitude, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, and so forth and so on. Who is this certain man? Now, it sounds to me, to me, very familiar to another passage of Scripture in the New Testament, which is Revelation chapter number 1, John's vision of the Lord Jesus Christ on the Isle of Patmos. Doesn't it sound like a close comparison as ways describing this certain man and so what many Bible commentators believe is this is a theophany, a pre-appearance, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Lord Jesus didn't come into existence of Bethlehem. He always has been, always will be, very much present in the Old Testament. He appeared to Gideon. He appeared to many others. And this is a theophany. He faces uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will, a pre-incarnate manifestation of the Lord Jesus. So number one, number one, we see the reason for his supplication. Number two, we see the revelation of the Son of Man. And number three, we see what we want to talk about tonight is the revealing of the spirit world. The revealing of the spirit world. Let's talk about this satanic hindrance to prayer. Number one, let's look at the correlation between prayer and delays. Prayer and delays. Look at verse number 12. It says here, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before the Lord thy God. He's talking about his fasting, about his praying, the things he refrained from. Thy words were what, church? Heard. They were heard. It's a couple of things. Daniel had set his heart on some things. And here the, the angel tells him that, I want to tell you something, immediately when you prayed them, they were heard. They were heard. Now there's something about spiritual maturity when it comes to prayer. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed thrice, three times, that the Lord would take it away, and the Lord said no. And, and Paul, being a mature Christian, says, I'm not going to pray about that any longer because Prayer is asking and the answer to prayer is receiving. He got an answer. There's, there's, God says, we're not going to talk about this anymore. That's your answer. It's no. I'm not going to take it away, but my grace shall be sufficient for thee. But he says, I've already heard you. I've heard you. Now, what would be more beneficial? Somebody who had a prayer hindrance in their life, who prays 24 hours straight, or prays five hours every day for five days a week, 
or someone who has a clear channel and a good relationship with God that comes down and prays for two minutes? Who's going to be more effective? All right, it's going to be the person that has that clear channel and says, I heard you, I heard you. So we have to constantly balance in our lives that when we pray, God knows all, hears all, sees all. And the first time I pray about it, God heard me. He heard me. But I've got to make sure that my life is right, that in my heart's right, and I don't have these hindrances in my life, that I can have an effective prayer life. He's, he's heard me. Now sometimes I don't feel impressed to pray about something anymore. That's something you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit guide you on. Okay? You may pray about it one time. And sometimes we pray, we feel like we need to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. That's a constant balance that we need to uh, understand. Different situations require different things. Verse 13. Here's the hindrance, folks. It's a satanic hindrance. It says, as soon as you were heard, we were coming with the answer, but... In verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Now who's saying this? This isn't the Lord Jesus, the pre-Bethlehem. This is, um, this is the other archangel, Gabriel. Gabriel. He said that I was coming with the answer, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty, or for twenty-one days. But look, below Michael, one of the chief princes, we know Michael, being the archangel, came to help me, and I remained there with him, the king of Persia. So we see the delays, the delays for one in 20 days. Had Daniel done everything right? Yes. Had his prayer been heard? Yes. Was his prayer going to be answered? Yes. But there was a delay in the answer because there was a spiritual battle going on in an invisible spiritual world, folks, that is out there today. We, we battle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we see the delay was for 21 days. Daniel had fasted. He prayed for three full weeks. These verses enlighten the believer as to why his prayers are not always answered immediately. There is that battle in the heavenlies. Now, it's not all we can't blame. Now, listen, church, we can't bl blame the devil for everything. We can't blame the devil for everything. That's, that, a lot of times, that's a cop-out. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The Bible says when every man is drawn away with his, his own lust and enticed. No, it, you know, it's, it's a choice. Yeah, sometimes you make bad choices. It, it's not the devil. The devil's not behind every bush. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not omnipresent like God. If he's bothering you, guess what? He can't be bothering me. If he's over at your house, he can't be over at my house. If he's at our church this morning, he can't be at any other church. We give him more credit than is really due. You've got to ask yourself the question, am I kicking up a big enough fuss that the devil himself would come and tangle with me? Now let's all be honest. I don't know much of us putting up that big of a fuss that he feels like he's got to put a stop to. Now he might send one of the third of the fallen angels from heaven to oppress us and to delay our prayers. So we see prayer and delays. The next one I want you to see is prayer and demons. Number one, the 
principality of demons. The Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to what? To stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2, the Bible describes Satan as the prince and the power of the air. He's the prince and power of the air. The Bible says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 19, which means that this world lieth in the lap of the wicked one, Satan. Notice that in Matthew, when the Lord Jesus went to be tempted 40 days, he fast 40 days and 40 nights and went out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil before he initiates his earthly ministry, right after his baptism, before he launches out, he goes in the wilderness to be tempted. And what does the devil say to him in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9? Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, why do I read that? Why the devil said, if you bow down, I'll give it to you. I'm going to tell you why, because he's in possession of it. He's the, he's the God of this age. He is the prince and power of the air. Okay? So we, there, is the, there is an unseen, an unseen spiritual warfare. Yes, the Bible teaches there, is, there are angels. There are angels. But on the other side of that, there are demons. Demons. The next one is the power of demons. Verse number 13, what Gabriel says here is, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. And I'm going to tell you something. Not an or, if I could use the term an ordinary angel. No, Gabriel. Gabriel is kind of important, kind of like Michael the archangel. Uh, he said, they, he withstood me, this prince of Persia, over this area of Persia. That had been a lot of there. Notice we battle principalities, powers. The devil has an organization here. All right. And so he, he comes down and he's tangling with Gabriel. And then later, notice it says, But lo, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me. So now this, this prince of Persia, has, he's such a combatant that not only Gabriel is wrestling with him to get the answer to Daniel. But here comes Michael the archangel <laughs> to help him out. It was an evil angel assigned to, to see to it that the king of Persia did what Satan wanted him to do. He's over that, that part. So we see the power of demons. Michael and Gabriel, archangels that are named. But I want you to notice the last thing is not only prayer and delays, prayer and demons, but prayer and deliverance. We see, number one, a conflict. There is an unseen, invisible, spiritual war taking place, folks. We don't have the ability to see it with the natural eye, but if God was to give us some special glasses, if you would, that we could look through, and I wore them right now, I would see in the pews and in the church and outside the church and in, in society and, and out in the community, I would see spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. There's an unseen, invisible spirit world. There is a literal devil. There is literal angels. There are literal demons. All right? 
So we see this uh, conflict above the clouds. This conflict, in this instance, was a hindrance to prayer that goes on with this unseen, invisible, spiritual war taking place. Now we would probably face prayer a lot different if we realize that unseen spiritual world. I'm going to tell you something. You know what the devil's after for a lot of us? This is a battlefield of the mind, folks. I pause for emphasis. Christianity, living for God, is a battlefield of the mind. I wish, well, no, I don't, I don't wish. This past week, I have battled, man, it's like you face an opposition. And that's when I know, and I thought, wow, Lord, I was praying. I said, why am I facing all, because you get discouraged sometimes, because we forget we're in a battle. And I'm facing these battles. They're not outward battles, not physical fights, and, and those, but they're just spiritual battles. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, I know why. I know why I'm go it, it dawned on me. I know why that I'm facing some spiritual opposition from the enemy. I know why I'm, why I'm feeling a little dis discouraged. I know, wait a minute here, I know why, and, and I figured it out. Do you realize that here at the church, I made a commitment a while back, that I said, I'm going to get that gospel out. I'm going to use the internet. I'm going to use podcasts. I'm going to use YouTube. I'm going to use Skype. If I, I'm going to use whatever I can, whatever technology-wise. And you know what? That gospel's been getting out there, and the enemy don't like that. You better gird up your loins. You better get ready. Because I'm telling you right now, the devil doesn't like it. When you get that gospel out there, God, the devil doesn't like it when the, when the church is in unity and getting, getting along, right? He don't like it when things are happening and people's lives are being changed. He don't like that. And so you can expect some conflict. You can expect some opposition. But notice, there was, number two, there was a champion. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Thank God there's help. There's a champion. Number three, the continuation. Verse 20, it says, And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. Notice it, folks. Daniel's praying. He's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. In this specific instance now, they're all individual. But in this specific instance, he's thinking, "Why well, I'm not getting a prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, this fat boy right here goes without some food. I'm going to expect some blessings of God. Say amen right there. Now, I know you're tough and rough and gruff, but if I go without food as much as I love it, I'm, <laughs> I want to see God bless. <laughs> you, ever, you ever done any fasting? Boy, I've done a little bit of it. And some of y'all don't even believe that looking at me. <laughs> you know, uh, J. Harold Smith has got a book uh, on fasting. And he says, fasting is the cheapest diet program you can go on. <laughs> it is. Think about it. But I'm, if we was down here, how often would we get discouraged if we really got down to doing some fasting and praying? We don't do a lot of fasting and praying. We do a more a lot, of, a lot of feasting and playing. You like that, Brother James? I heard that cliche years ago. That's pretty good, isn't it? All right, so <laughs> continuation. So now he says, all right, I brought the answer, and now what I've got to do? I've got to go back. There's a battle. There's a spiritual battle. 
going on. Let me give you a couple things here. In conclusion, think about Michael the archangel. Remember in Jude 9, it said, Yet Michael the archangel, and continue with the, the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. In other words, when it came Michael the archangel and Satan, Michael the archangel said, When it come to Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. <laughs> I'm going to let the Lord fight my battle on this one. Okay, he's no, he's no contender. All right? Daniel chapter 12, Daniel with... Uh, deliverer of God's people, uh, Israel during the, the great tribulation and so forth. We see that in Revelation chapter 12 that he's present. He, in Revelation chapter 12, we'll get to that on Sunday morning before long. Michael, he shall fight with Satan and his angels, casting them out of heaven into the middle of the tribulation period. That's who we're talking about. So with that being said, let's have a time of invitation. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to think about that spiritual battle. Boy, I see it right now. I see it in the hearts and lives of people that are connected with this church. I got several people on my mind 